Well, happy Christmas Sunday morning and afternoon to everyone here. Can we all turn around and greet one another by saying Merry Christmas? Yes, yes, this is the day. This is, well, today is not the day, but today is the Sunday to celebrate the day. And I hope that those of you who are joining us at home are also embracing your friends and family by telling one another Merry Christmas. If this is your first time joining a church service, I especially want to welcome you to Living Hope Sunday service. My name is James, one of the pastors here at Living Hope, and it's a real privilege to stand here uh, in front of you today and share a message out of the word of the Lord. If you would please uh, look at Ezekiel chapter 37 with me. Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 14 will be the scripture for us today. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, and this is the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on this slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, I, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off, therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks be to God. You know, uh, one of my favorite movies is Disney's Tangled. That's right. I'm not ashamed, okay? All right, it's a good movie, okay? Uh, if you've ever seen it, you know that it's a story of a long-lost princess who doesn't know that she is a princess, gets trapped by a witch mother, and it's a story of her finding her way back home and to her true family. And of course, it being a Disney movie, her hair is magic and it has the power to heal people. And then in the end, what happens is true love. Whenever I watch this movie, and I've watched this movie a lot, it's, it's actually uh, my wife and I, our first movie that we watch together as a couple. And so we've even shown it to our daughter, you know, whenever we feel romantic, when I'm sad and down, I just watch it by myself. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I read the Bible, okay? Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, whenever I watch Tangled, 
I'm really struck by Disney's presentation of Rapunzel or the princess's hair as solution to death. Have you noticed that? And not only is it a solution to death, but it's a solution to the dying process. Whenever we think about the witch mother, right, it's not like she's kept alive as her aging self, but the opposite of it is true. It's that she's actually kept as her younger self. So the message that we are receiving is that because of Rapunzel's hair or the power in her hair, that death is overcome. She's kept from dying. And not only that, her aging process is reversed. And this day being Christmas Sunday, I can't help but to think in a crude way the birth and the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, whose work and life and ministry are offering us eternal life. What does that mean, though? Like, what does it mean when we say that Jesus has overcome death, that we have eternity, eternity, excuse me, with him? I mean, I imagine we can stand here for days and talk about it, and we may never even get to all of the things that we can say and think about it. And people have written books and dedicated their lives to study these kind of things. But today, for the short amount of time that we have together, I thought that I would try to answer the question of what does it mean to have eternal life in Jesus over death in three smaller, perhaps more digestible questions. Number one, what does this text say? In Ezekiel chapter 37. Number two, what does that have to do with Jesus Christ? And number three, how does that give us a thrill of hope? Not just a little bit of hope, not just a feel-good story, but as we have titled our sermon series, a thrill of hope in this season of Christmas during COVID. Would you join me in prayer? God, what can we say but thank you so much for this Christmas Sunday. Thank you for your church here at Living Hope. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here in front of me and those who are watching at home. Thank you to those who have joined us for the first time. God, we pray that you would help us to understand a little bit more of what eternal life looks like in you. And may that understanding give us hope, a thrill of hope in this Christmas Sunday. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what does this text say in Ezekiel chapter 37? Uh, when we read this vision, it's, it's kind of a weird, obscure vision, is it not? It's a story of God having Ezekiel not only see, but to participate in this odd vision of a valley full of dry bones coming back to life. And that vision is supposed to have some kind of message towards, a message of hope specifically towards Israelites. And, and boy, did they need hope at this time. Israel at this time was actually under an oppression. They were under Babylonian exile. In fact, Ezekiel chapter 1 starts out by telling us the story of prophet Ezekiel who's sitting by a riverside in Babylon as one of the exiled people. And he sees the glory of God passing by, but unfortunately, things start getting bad from there. In fact, the first 32 chapters of the book of Ezekiel, 1 through 32, 
It's spent with God's judgment. God continues to tell Ezekiel bad things about Israel. How much you have messed up, how frustrating you are to me, what kind of sins that you have committed against me, so on and so on and so on. And then in chapter 33, things get worse. Ezekiel receives the news that the temple in Jerusalem had fallen. Now, that might not really be a big deal to us, but here's the thing. Jewish people, even now, and especially back then, practice a temple-centralized, temple-driven religion and faith. The temple in Jerusalem was the literal representation of God's presence with them as people. So for the temple to have fallen, that signaled the end of it. Ezekiel thought, and the Israelites thought, this is it. God has finally left us. We have done it. All of these things that we had committed, God has stuck by us, but no more. And we are in exile now. No wonder in verse 11, God is quoted in saying, these Israelites are saying to me, we have no hope. We have been cut off. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, for no apparent reason, in Ezekiel chapter 34, things start changing. In chapter 34, what God does is he promises a new king. And this king will be different than any other king that Israelites have ever had. This king will come specifically from the line of David, the legendary, revered, loved king of Israelite people. And this king will not only rule its people, but will save them. And specifically... This king will save the people by renewing of their hearts with the very Spirit of God as written in Ezekiel chapter 36. These are promises that God is making for Ezekiel and Israelites all of a sudden. And it makes sense to me then because as that is the context of the vision that we have read in Ezekiel chapter 37, that God not only shows the vision of this dry bones coming back to life to Ezekiel, but he has Ezekiel participate in the vision. Because I would bet that it was pretty hard for him to believe these promises. What do you mean, God? For 32 chapters, you are telling me to tell your people how sinful they are. And we thought that by temple being destroyed, you had left us. But now you're telling me that you're going to give us a new king who's going to save us who's going to renew our hearts. You're not only going to change our external circumstance, but you're going to change ourselves, who we are on the inside. Show me how that's going to work. And God's response to Ezekiel is this very vision that we have read together this, today. What does this have to do with Jesus? You might have noticed that the entire vision, the 14 verses, are structured into three different parts. And they're all separated by the word prophesy. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy over Israelites. Now, important side note here. The word prophesy, in Hebrew, naba, it comes from the word nabi, which means prophet or spokesperson. It literally means to speak on behalf of somebody or when the object or the source of speaking is God himself, it really means to speak in the influence of. And so what, what's happening here is God is telling Ezekiel, speak on behalf of me or speak in the influence of me to bones 
And then what happens? Well, according to the scripture that we read, the bones start coming back to figures. It starts to rattle. It starts to come back again. It, goes, it, puts, it gets put back into things. And it says, sinews come upon them, flesh come upon them. Probably all the nerves and all these different parts that make human body come upon these bones. And, but they stand there lifeless. And then God says, prophesy over breath, which is kind of a, a funny saying, right? Because we don't talk like that. We don't say like, talk to breath. Like, what does that even mean? Breath or wind as it calls. God says, prophesy over it. And what happens is breath or wind nonetheless still come over and enter into these lifeless bodies and they become alive again. And there were so many of them that verse 10, we're told they were like an exceedingly great army. Lifeless body, breath, human beings. This is a pretty explicit reference to the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 1, I want to point out for you that God chooses to create the universe by speaking. This is a specific theological concept called divine fiat. That God could have chosen to, to create in any other way, but God has chosen to speak. Let there be light, God says, and then there was light. And this has wonderful and deep implications about Christ being the word and scripture being the word and how things that we can say to one another, the exhortations and encouragements that we are told by the scriptures, it has implications to all of that. But for today, let me just point out for you that first of all, God chooses to create by speaking. And here we are seeing God telling Ezekiel, speak on behalf of me, speak. And then in Genesis 2, when God creates Adam, you probably all remember the story, right? God takes dust, makes Adam, and Scripture says that his body lay lifeless. And what does God do? Well, God comes, and he breathes into Adam's nostrils. He breathes into him and becomes a live human being. Lifeless body, breath, humanity. Turns out that Jesus Christ is actually known as the second Adam. And now, this isn't a, you know, ivory tower theology that I'm trying to share with you and somehow try to make sense out for you. But this is actually directly written in the scriptures. Can I um, turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for a moment? Please look at it with me or, you know, you can just follow along if you prefer. But uh, let me share with you just a few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, which says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. And then in verse 45, it says, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. Not only that, in verse 35 and on, what Apostle Paul is doing is he's making a case for Christ's resurrection, which has given us eternal life. 
Some of your study, if you have a study Bible, it will say in the underneath footnotes, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 3, on 1 Corinthians 15, 35. It's a reference point. Apostle Paul is quoting Ezekiel 37, verse chapter, verse 3, to make a case for Christ's resurrection that has brought us eternal life. So we can say that Genesis 2, Ezekiel 37, and 1 Corinthians 15 are all interconnected to one another to say a message that God has, first of all, created life when there was no life in Adam or in the first Adam. And then what God is promising here in the vision of dry bones being raised to life is that God is going to do it again in the second Adam, specifically through the messianic king that has been promised in Ezekiel 34, the one who is going to renew the hearts of men and women according to Ezekiel 36 because those are the context of this vision. In other words, this is a message of hope to Israelites because what God is saying is, listen, Israelites, I am God. I have created life from nothing. And I'm going to do it again. I'm going to recreate life in you through this new king that I'm going to give you. You may be in exile right now. You may feel like your situation is meaningless and hopeless, but that's not your destiny. That's not your end. This is my promise to you. This vision is a way for you to know that I'm going to fulfill it accordingly. That's the message that has gone to Ezekiel and to Israelites in this vision in Ezekiel chapter 37. What does that have to do with us though? Like, how does that give us hope? And again, not just hope as in like feeling good for today, which is great. Like I want you to feel good, you know, sometimes I guess. Uh, uh, but you know, as a pastor, honestly, like, Sometimes I struggle, um, you know, I, I try to do my best to prepare this message in prayer and in studying and meditation, and then, you know, I share it, and sometimes I'm like, man, like, is this just, you know, like a feel-good kind of story? Like, did I just really, like, speak empty words to the people of God? Um, and that, that's a struggle of mine, but, you know, this is the word of God, right, that we are listening to, uh, and and. And we are saying and we are believing that today is Christmas Sunday, that Jesus had come, God's own son had come, who died for us and who rose again and has given us eternal life, right? But you know, for me, I'm so broken in that sometimes when I think about eternal life, I fall into the trap of thinking it as if it's just continuation of my own life. I just think of it as like, oh, eternal life link in Jesus, like, yeah, that's pretty great, um, I'm going to live forever, okay. I mean, I know that I don't, well, okay, I should be careful. Like, we all die, right, like physically, but, but we believe that we will continue not only spiritually but physically according to scriptures. That's, that's what is written. But in this life, I'm, not, I'm often unable to see that my life is going to be anything beyond the way I'm living right now. That is eternal life about just continuing my life as it is today. Am I going to get any younger? Like, would I be 21 again? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know why people think 21 is such a great age, you know. No, no offense to those of you who are 21 here, all right. 
21 is nice, okay? 38 is better, all right? Uh, am I going to be taller? Like, I, I don't know, you know? <laughs> like, what, what is eternal life going to be look like? Like, I would like to be taller, you know? I think what's happened is I reduce eternity in Christ as if it's only a quantitative expansion of my life. When scripture says that it's actually a quantitative and qualitative expansion of human life. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says this. It says, we will or he will, which is Jesus, Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I'm going to call this little concept totality of personhood. I just made it up. Okay, not, not literally just now, this week. I made it up this week, all right? Totality of personhood, okay? According to Revelation 21, there will be all of these things when God's eternal life is fully established in earth, new heaven and new earth, that what your life and my life will look like is not a mere continuation of just life. I mean, this year was, I'm going to guess it was pretty difficult <laughs> for all of us. Can we just imagine, can we just pause and imagine what life would have been like in 2020 without COVID? I don't even know how to go about that, to be honest. But like, if we can just sit here and imagine what life would have been like without COVID, right? Like, imagine that, you know? And can I take you a step further and ask you to imagine with me, like, imagine your life with no COVID in 2020, and then imagine that that one biggest problem that you've had, whether it's like financial problem or relational problem or health issues or internal struggle, like whatever it may be, can you just imagine your life without that? No COVID, no big problem. Life would be pretty good, right? Like, all right, like, you know, I'll take that. Can I take you a step further? And can you imagine with me your life with no sickness, with no fear, with no anxiety, no worries about the future, no failures, no disappointments, no unmet expectations, no hurts, no anger, no frustrations, no broken relationships, no unachieved dreams, forever. Wouldn't you say that that is too good to be true. I believe that if God truly has come in human form in his own son to die for us and to rise again so that he can rescue us for all eternity, the end result has to be too good to be true. In fact, Ezekiel thought that this vision was too good to be true. He couldn't believe it. And that's why God had to have him participate in the vision to make a little bit of down payment, to allow him to understand and to have confidence that God is going to fulfill the promises of the Messianic King and renewing of the hearts with his own spirit. Totality of personhood is the hope that is promised to you and I in baby Jesus, whose birthday we are celebrating this week. But it doesn't stop there. Because the second thing is totality of the world. God's goodness, 
the eternal life in God is not just meant for me and my family. It's not just meant for me and my friends and me and my church, but rather it's meant for our enemies. It's meant for those who are difficult. It's meant for the world, people that we don't even care about, things that we might not even care about. You know, after this vision of dry bones, in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, God is seen to wipe out an imaginary evil nation called Agog. That's a symbolism to show us that what God is going to do, he's going to purge all unholy things on earth. And then for the next six chapters, Ezekiel 40 through 45, there is a detailed description of God's new temple. Notice how this is a polar opposite of Ezekiel 33 when the temple in Jerusalem had fallen. God's going to restore the earth in the exact opposite way it was destroyed. And then Ezekiel finishes in the last three chapters, 46, 47, and 48, by describing to us a new city of God, new heaven and new earth. And the city is called the Lord is there. And from this city, because the Lord is there, the life of God, the eternal life of God, starts to flow out from the temple through the city, outside of the gates, into the rest of the world, bringing luscious and lavish life with it. And what you see is complete restoration of all broken things in the entire universe because the Lord is there. Church, we're celebrating Christmas this Sunday. Christmas, Jesus, God, Emmanuel, who has come with us. God with us, meaning God who is here. Ezekiel tells us a story of God, God who was here with us, and because of him, the entire world will change for forever and more. And today, we are doing the same thing. Because the Lord God is here as he was written, the there that he is written is here now because of Jesus. Can you imagine this world with no polarization, no infighting, no extremism, no radicalization, no sexism, no racism, no poverty, no trafficking, no hunger, no cancer, no illnesses, no brokenness, no sadness. Can you imagine not just your life, but this entire world for that and forever and ever and ever more? That's the hope that we have been given because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I sincerely hope that that's the hope, not just feeling good today, but that's the hope that we get to carry on from this day forward. Now, I want to end with this. Um, in my favorite movie, Tangled, <laughs> towards the end of the movie, um, Flynn, the male main character, he makes a sacrifice. Uh, he gets fatally wounded. And Rapunzel, the princess, makes a deal with the witch mother, uh, saying that if you let me heal Flynn, I will stay with you. I will stay trapped with you so that you can just continue to live as your young self forever and ever as my power in my hair will hold it for you. And to everyone's surprise, Flynn makes a sacrifice by cutting off Rapunzel's hair, which effectively lets him die. And also lets the witch die. 
But in this dramatic moment, Rapunzel is holding the lifeless body of Flynn, the man that she had just fallen in love with, and she is crying in loss and pain and sadness, and tears start dripping down her face and start falling onto his body, and miraculously, the wound becomes healed, and he comes back to life again. You see, the power was never about her hair, but it was about her heart. And the end result is that the kingdom is restored, the lost princess is found, and of course, happily ever after. Now, I'm not saying Flynn was Jesus, okay? Uh, somebody commented that earlier. I was like, no, that's, that's you know, sorry. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying, all right? Like, just real clear here. Um, but in a crude way, right? When I read the question that God had asked Ezekiel in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? I hear the heart of the father that was thinking about another son of man that he was going to send. And this son of man will sacrifice too. This son of man will come and die too. But he will live again. And his resurrection will save kingdoms, will save people, not only that, will save the entire world for all eternity. Ezekiel answered the question, son of man, can these bones live? By saying, only you know, God. But because the Lord Jesus had come and died and has risen, and because we are celebrating that this morning or this afternoon now as Christmas Sunday, the answer to that question, son of man, can these bones live for you and me? It's a resounding yes. Merry Christmas to you all. Let's pray together. How can we thank you, God, for your son? God, we can't thank you enough for Jesus who has come and died and rose again so that we may have eternal life, not only just living again, but really living into the fullness of who you are, that there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more sadness in you, O oh God. And that's the good plan that you have for us. And we thank you this Christmas Sunday that you have made it happen in your son Jesus who was born to die and to rise again. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you so much, and we pray in your name. Amen.